Our scripture reading this evening is Genesis 38, 27 to 30. When the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand saying, this one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out. And she said, what a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out with the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zira. This is the word of the Lord. Is the Christmas tie-in obvious with that uh, Genesis 38 with Tamar? Uh, in Matthew 1, uh, there's the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, you know, the one where you kind of want to skip over at Christmas. You're like, yeah, yeah, we get all the names, blah, 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 begat, 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 right? Uh, and, and what it's showing is this. It's showing that um, how did we get to Jesus? Like, is there's, there's a historical line, a historical claim. How do we get to Jesus? How do we get to him from there? And curiously, in... Um, in that genealogy in Matthew uh, 1, there are uh, five women who are named. And uh, that, that just didn't happen very often. That, that's, 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 a, that's a cultural ancient anomaly. Um, Cleopatra is an anomaly. And uh, it, just, it just didn't happen. It's not just a Bible Hebrew thing. Uh, but it's a worldwide cultural thing in antiquity. You, you just wouldn't mention uh, women. Uh, women just don't show up in genealogies like that, even in historic civic histories and also in genealogies, they just don't. Uh, but five women show up in Matthew 1. And you, you know there's a story there. You know it. Like if someone zooms through Matthew 1, they're like, so-and-so begat so-and-so. And you're like, yeah, 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 let's get on with, you know, the hay and the angels and Jesus and stuff. Um, but you know there's a story there. And so that's what we're doing for this Advent is we're zooming in on the mothers of Jesus. The mothers of Jesus from Matthew 1. And it's against all cultural norms. And what, what do their stories have to say about the Savior? What do their stories have to say about the Savior? Um, in August of this year, um, I, I started thinking about Advent. It wasn't necessarily July, but it was August. And I enlisted the help of uh, Raya Kita and Lainey, my daughter. And they're very crafty. They're, they, they, they do all these amazing little miniature dioramas. And so in August, I said, hey, I want you to do all the artwork for this, this Advent series, the Mothers of Jesus. Um, and so what I want you to do is make these dioramas of each of the, the, the five women. Uh, and so they did. And if you get a chance, I want you to look at them. I'm up close after the service. We put them, I put them on that table there. Um, it's the dioramas that they made, and we're going to see some of that artwork throughout Advent um, today. So I'm really grateful to both Raya and Lainey. Um, but tonight and this afternoon is uh, Tamar, the first woman mentioned there in Matthew 1. 
And Old Testament narratives in like Genesis chapter 38, they're stories. They're just straight up stories. And I've got a story for you tonight. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to preach with three points. Like I'm just going to tell you a pretty amazing story. And some of us will look at Paul's letters and say, hey, I love my um, theology in compact uh, uh, cohesive uh, statements and assertions. And, but, and we might think these stories are not crammed with theology, but they are crammed with theology. But it's going to come out in story mode. So our story tonight Starts with Genesis 38. Now, like me, you've probably, I don't know if you've read Genesis 38. Um, you might want to do that on your own time, um, but it's a doozy. Um, and if you've read Genesis 38, you could, you could probably say, wow, that is some bizarre stuff you've got going on. Um, I mean, there's prostitution entrapment. There is incest. There's attempted murder. You're like, hey, how come we didn't read that part? It's, it's a lot to handle, Genesis 38. Uh, it is not a Hallmark Christmas special. I think this season's one is A Castle for Christmas. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I don't watch Hallmark Christmas specials, but I've heard about them. <laughs> um, it's, this story is not going to feel like Christmas to you, but I promise you there are some sleigh bells in there, and we're going to tune our ear to him tonight. If anything, this story of Tamar and these stories of the mother of Jesus tell us something about the scriptures, and that is this, is that morals are not the point of the scriptures. If anything, if anything, um, we're going to see that morals are not the point the moral of the story is that morals are not the point for the scriptures. Uh, but we're going to do some work here, and I want you to, I think after tonight, hopefully, I want you to be like, wow, that story of Tamar and Judah is gorgeous. It's amazing. It's amazing. But the story of Tamar really doesn't begin with Tamar. The, the story of uh, Tamar begins with Judah. He's one of Jake's sons. You remember Jake, don't you? Rat, wily. Judah's one of Jake's sons, but he comes, he's Leah's, one of Leah's sons. And you remember Leah, unloved Leah. Jake did not love Leah. So Judah is one of Leah's boys. And they all know it. They all know that Jake loves Rebecca more than Leah. They all know it. Everybody, the whole family. And there's a lot of family dysfunction. And it's fueled by Jacob. Fueled. He doesn't care that he shows preference. Doesn't care at all. Well, it reaches this boiling point, and this might feel familiar to you, but they're out on the range. They're out on the range, the brothers and little Joseph, the favorite. And Leah's sons are getting tired of it. They are just tired. 
And what they do is they throw Joseph down in sort of a, a wadi or a ravine, a pit, it says, like probably in your translation. And they start talking about um, how they're going to murder Joseph. He's, he's, he's reached a point where it's beyond annoying. We would just rather not have him around. And so they see some traitors in the distance, and it's Judah that hatches the plan. And he said, wait, 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 wait. If we kill him, we get nothing out of it. Let's just sell him. Let's sell Joseph to these traders. Um, let's make some cash. So they opt for the cash grab. They sell Joseph, and uh, they keep that really cool coat he had. It was like Gucci on the range, right? And they keep it, and uh, Reuben comes back to camp. I guess Reuben had been off, and he goes, I don't... I don't think you guys knew what you just did, but Jake, Papa Jake, is going to flip. We need a plan. We need a plan. So they kill an animal, as you know, and they put blood all on the, the cool Gucci coat. And um, they go to Jacob. And Judah says this phrase in Hebrew. It, he says it to Papa Jake. Hakarna, Hakarna. Uh, it's Hebrew for this. Do you recognize this? But 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 it's not just like, do you identify the thing? It means that in Hebrew, but it it's actually means something more. It says yes. Do you recognize? But um, are you connecting the dots? Are you making right conclusions? Are you recognizing it? And then has, has a realization come over you because they refuse to tell him a lie about Joseph. And so Judah says, Hakarna, do you recognize this? Are you connecting the dots? And as you know, Jacob falls apart. Um, we see in the text that these family rifts actually continue because Judah can't even be around his brothers anymore. So the text tells us he left the clan. Usually stay around the clan, the family unit. He leaves the clan, and he goes to make his own way. And the text says that he went out on his own. He marries this Canaanite woman, a woman, and um, uh, Judah has three boys, so the oldest is Ur, E-R, Ur, and the second is Onan, that's the second eldest, and then the third is Shelah. Um, that's, a, that's a boy's name there in Hebrew. Uh, now, the t usual typical marrying age in Hebrew is anywhere from, it could be as young as 15, but usually around 16 to 18 is when um, you'll marry someone. And so Genesis 38 says that um, uh, Judah found Tamar, a foreign young girl in the area, for his eldest, Ur. Now, uh, Genesis 38 says that Ur, the oldest boy, Judah's oldest boy, was a bad, bad dude. Calls him wicked. And I don't know what he did. But the text says that um, God had him die. I don't even know how he died, but God had him die. 
So as a very young girl, Tamar is widowed. And uh, there's a, this might sound strange to our modern ears, but this is like an ancient cultural thing. It's not just a Hebrew Bible thing. It's ancient culture is that um, widows in a family, because you're attached to a family unit, they would be destitute if they're not attached to the family unit, okay? So um, inclusion in a culture, inclusion and worth and dignity and value and flourishing in an ancient culture is all tied to um, how you are attached to a family unit and an extended family unit. So an equivalent would be, what's, well, what is that for our culture? It's probably educational path. It's probably resources. So however you're connected to what makes you a success in that society is how you're gonna get your worth and your inclusion and your flourishing. So in the ancient world, we have to recognize, oh, it's not education, it's, it's how you're tied. Social justice is how you're tied to the family unit. So um, in, this, in this ancient culture, if you were widowed and you were a part of this family unit, then uh, even if Onan, the second brother, was already married, what he would do is he would take Tamar to be a wife, and she would have children so that she would be tied to the family unit, that, uh, she would be provided for, and everything would be okay. It was attached to her inclusion and flourishing in an ancient culture. So the text tells us this, is that uh, Onan does take um, Tamar to be his wife, this second oldest brother, but he refuses to give her a child. He refuses. Uh, and... The text says this, God did not like that. And also, Onan was a bad, bad dude like his older brother. And so it doesn't tell us what he did, and it doesn't tell us how he died, but God had Onan die as well. Tamar widowed second time. Now, probably because of these age gaps here, probably Tamar is widowed, and if she was around 16, 17, she's widowed, and she's around 19 to 22, widowed twice. Now we see something um, emerge in this text, and I, I just want you to see this, is there is something happening to a grieving Judah whose two boys have died, and he only has his third son. He begins to think Tamar, what, is bad luck, bad news, a black widow. She's the one. She, she was connected to both these brothers, these sons of mine, and they both, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, how, where do I get this? Um, see, this is what Judah begins to do. He begins to blame Tamar, not for his bad parenting fails, not for the wickedness of his sons, but he says, that woman. Now, how, where, do I, where do we get that in Genesis 38? because this is what he does. Outwardly, he does the right cultural thing. He says this. He says, um, when Sheila comes of age, my third son, so he's not even past puberty yet, but when he comes of age, Tamar, I'm gonna give you to my third son. He's, outwardly, he says the right thing, because that's what you should do culturally, not leave her destitute, give her a chance of inclusion and flourishing in a society. Um, but this is how we know is when Sheila comes of age, he doesn't do it. 
And then she begins to realize, oh, like I'm being frozen out. Like I am outside the circle of trust. And what that means for Tamar, and she's getting the message loud and clear, it means I'm a beggar or I'm going to turn to prostitution now because I am not going to be attached to what's going to make me a flourishing human being. So she's seeing the future as a bleak, bleak prospect. So Judah is a man of means. He's wealthy. We get this from the text. And he has some sheep interests in a region of, called Timnah. And he was, what he's going to do is he's going to go out to the ranch during shearing season. That's when you're going to see a lot of income from just wool. So uh, Tamar catches wind of that Judah's going to head out to Timnah for shearing season. And she hatches this bold, bold plan. And the Hebrew in Genesis 3.8 is all action verbs when you look at what Tamar does next. It says this, she took off her widow's clothes. She put on a veil. She wrapped herself in garb that said, I'm available. I'm not a widow. I'm available. And she sat at this entrance to a temple or shrine. And uh, that's what a temple prostitute does. She's on a mission, and the Hebrews is a string of verbs. She hears it, and she hatches this plan. Now, it's bold. Now, before your eyebrows get really judgy here, okay, because, like, everyone's like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if this should be in Scripture. I don't know. I don't know. I I could go either way tonight. I don't know. You're going to have to convince me. Okay, I'm going to convince you. Think of how crafted this is. Um, This is either either a bizarre long shot of a 2.7% chance of success plan. Like, really? All of this, a lot has to happen. Like, I'm going to put myself here, and then hopefully he comes by, and then maybe it's like, come on, you have a better chance at Vegas. Like, than this plan. So you can look at it like that way and say, Tamar, Tamar, Tamar. Or, she knows Judah. How he is. His reputation, what he's already known for. Maybe it's not a crazy long shot of a plan. Maybe it's normal for Judah. Maybe she knows, of course he'll be interested. Now, Judah's wealthy. Uh, They agree on a price, a goat. He says he'll send it over to her. And she's like, great, great, thanks. Love verbal promises, but I would like some collateral. And so Judah gives um, uh, a stone cylinder called a stella. And what it would do is it would be a, a stone cylinder. You'd wear it around your neck, and at the end of it, it would, it would be engraved with something. It's something you mash into, like, wax. Or if you heat it up, you can put it on wood, too. And it, it's like, it's, like um, it's your signature for a lot of contracts. 
and his staff as well. Uh, one commentary I was reading a couple weeks ago said, it's like leaving your wallet with credit cards. Right? This is how I conduct business. I'm going to leave that with you. How, is, that, is that acceptable? It's acceptable to Tamar. So um, business is transacted in more ways than one. I'm going to let you fill in the blanks. This is a family-friendly place. Uh, and true to his word, Judah, Judah sin, does send a goat over, um, but no one knows what he's talking about. There's no temple prostitute at Nam. That's the place. There's a, no, no, we've never heard of that. No, there's no one ever been there. No, no. And so uh, Judah shrugs and says, okay. Um, I just won't say anything more because I don't want people to laugh at us. That's what Genesis 38 says. Okay, I'll, I'll let that one go. And if she doesn't want them, then cool. We'll just, we'll just forget about it. Um, about three months later, Tamar starts to show. And uh, the gossip chain is really quick to get back to Judah and to let him know about it. And they say, hey, Judah... <laughs> Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but Tamar has been immoral and she got pregnant doing it. Mm-hmm. And if you have Genesis 38 open, um, translators have said, Judah said this, um, bring her out and let her be burned. That's what, that's what the translators have said. In Hebrew, it's actually uh, shorter and more brutal. In Hebrew, it says, take, burn. The modern equivalent to this is Twitter with the hashtag D-I-A-F. I I saw it yesterday when people were talking about rival games and their rivals in college football. They can die in a fire, D-I-A-F. It means when you no longer care if they're sucking oxygen from the global supply. You don't care. Take burn. Now, you might hear this and say, Tim, I knew it. Like, like you know, antiquity was really brutal and crazy, and they, they didn't do things how we've done them. Um, and and it, was, it was a lot more violent back then and horrible. No, 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 no. I want you to see how brutal this is. Uh, so antiquity is brutal and horrible and violent, but a burning death is for the most serious of crimes and criminals. Like this doesn't warrant burning. It doesn't. Like even in the ancient world, it doesn't warrant that. Uh, but you can see what Judah's heart against black widow Tamar, Taker burner for Ur, for Onan and myself like you can just see it utter disdain now this scene is pretty dramatic I don't know if they're going to make a movie maybe it's after the chosen YouTube series they'll hit Genesis Um, not sure (laughs) they're going to get hit with quite the rating Um, (laughs) and so they're dragging her out and she says I want you to take this package to Judah. This stone Stella and this staff. And do you know what she says to tell him? Ask him this. 
Hocker na. Hocker na. Oh. So they run to Juna. Hocker na. Not only do you recognize this, are you connecting the dots now? Judah says something incredible. He does hawker not. And two things. Um, he sees, maybe for the first time, the dignity and worth of Tamar. Number two. He sees his own ugliness. Now you may say, hey, 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 hey. Tim, I, still, I'm having a lot of trouble with the scriptures endorsing the solicit that solicitation and entrapment. Tim, 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 I'm having trouble here. Scriptures do not endorse it. Judah says something. This is in verse 26 of Genesis 38. He says, talking about Tamar, when he hawk or nod, she is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son, Shelah. Now, the translators have really a lot of difficulty here because uh, Judah says that Tamar possesses more um, righteousness, but that's not, that's, that's, I think that's bad. Um, the, the Hebrew word is sadek, and it's all about justness, legal justness, moral and societal justness. She's more just. It, it, it's not endorsing the, the crazy part of the story. It's just thinking, it's saying this, is there are greater sins than, what, sexual sins. There are greater sins attached to the poor and the powerless and the inclusion and the flourishing of those that are destitute in a culture and a society. And Judah sees it. She is more just than I am. Now, it's no surprise that the scriptures are overflowing with comments about the poor and powerless. It's just no surprise. Uh, the widow and the orphan, when they are ignored and when they are not included and given pathways to flourishing, the, uh, God gets very upset in the scriptures. Sometimes systemic injustices will cause people to do things that they normally wouldn't, and that's why he holds them to the bigger powers. I've got an example. Um, Abraham with Sarai. Do you know, remember, he, he lies to the Egyptian king with, uh, with Sarai. Remember that part? And who does God come hunting for? Not Abraham. Because we're like, he lied. What a dirtbag. I can't believe that. Okay, sure, yes. But there are bigger sins than lying. And God knows it. He says, what culture in society would you have to choose to be put to death to keep your wife and you have to lie just so she stays alive and you stay alive? I'm going to hunt for the oppressor. There's another one in Hosea, and he says, you know your, your daughters who are, who, who are prostitutes? God says, I will not hold them guilty for that. 
Does he say prostitution is great and awesome? No, it's still horrible and wrong, but he goes, I won't hold them guilty for it. Who am I going to? This culture and society of patriarchy and men who what? Who allowed it to happen. I've got more examples, but I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna, but I'm just saying, that's real. So what, if, if you feel just like, I can't believe Tamar and what she did, guess what? There are bigger sins. Now, um, he says this. Not only does he change his mind about Tamar, the black widow, uh, but his heart and his mind about himself is changed too. This is why I think it's incredible. He says, I didn't give my son Sheila to her. I didn't do it. I hated her. I wanted her out and impoverished. I lied. I was not Sadek. I was not just. Now, before, I'm going to end with Tamar's story, but before we end with Tamar's story, I want, I want to give you a beautiful story ending of Judah. Because this story of Judah, of how his heart is changed incrementally throughout his life, is beautiful. So, you know this story. Famine, the brothers, even Judah goes to Egypt for food. You know this part of the story. And they don't know the guy in charge of the food is Joseph. They don't even recognize him, right? And Joseph wants to keep Benjamin in exchange for sending him back. Who volunteers his own life as substitute for uh, Benjamin? It's Judah. No, 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 no. Take me, Lord. Let me stay here. Joseph is overcome. <laughs> this is beautiful, by the way. You're going to love this. So you know what Joseph says when he's telling his brothers, do you not recognize me? Don't you hawk or nah? Don't you hawk or nah? Like what's going on here? It's one of the most beautiful redemptive endings of, of Judas' story arc. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Repair from the brother, repair for Tam with Tamar. Now the text tells us this. Um, Tamar's provided for, and it says that Judah, Judah didn't get with her again. All right, let's clap there. Okay, as it turns out, she has twins, right? The part that Kathy read for us. And the birth story tells the story of Tamar. The birth story tells the story of Tamar and then something else. So this little arm comes out. And the midwife, because, you know, the midwife puts the little scarlet piece of thread across that little, that first little arm. That's amazing. This must be it. This, this will be the firstborn. So even with twins, the firstborn mattered. <laughs> so scarlet thread. This must be the firstborn. We're going to keep track. But wait, the baby's turn and another little guy comes out first. His name's Perez. He shows up in Matthew 1, 2. And the translation we here we have is a little choppy. I don't, I don't really like it. Um, because the one in the ESV says, um, um, what a breach you've made for yourself, little guy. <laughs> to Perez, the, the real firstborn. 
but a better one is, um, what a way you've made for yourself. What a way. And, and what, it's an idiom, and what it means this is, like we thought it was going to go one way, but you made another way. Kind of got us there. It was a plot twist. You made another way, little guy. Uh, you want to know why Tamar is proudly presented in Matthew's genealogy as one of the mothers of Jesus? We thought Tamar was disgusting, but she turned out to be more just. We thought Judah was going to be doomed to what? Um, A, living in constant disdain of a woman he was blaming his own junk and his son's junk for. Or he was going to have a lifetime of bitter pangs of regret looking back and say, I didn't just do that to Joseph. I did it to another person too. And he's saved from all. It's interesting because this family, they're, they're sons of Abraham. Everybody is like through this family because Abram, Father Abe told us that all the promises of God are through our family. We thought this family would be so awesome because they were a part of Abraham, Grandpa, Grandpa Abe. But no. It wasn't because of their awesomeness. But no, another way was being made. And it wasn't by their awesomeness. Another way was being made. Can you believe that? And it wasn't going to be on their performance. It was going to be on their God. He was the baby they didn't see coming. I have a question for you. Hawk or not? Hawk or not? Christmas is coming and your Savior's coming again too. Hawk or not? Jesus. Your birth was the ultimate another way and as we slide into this, this uh, season I'm asking that you give us a warmer thoughts of you may we not be warmed by sentiment or really beautiful trappings, but we need to be warmed again by you, the one who's made another way. So help us, help us in this season, we pray. Amen.